Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. My name is Chris and I am under the weather. So forgive me if I sound a little bit more nasally than I already generally do. Luckily, I have two people that can do all the talking for me this week. Uh, ah. And they will be. <laughs> that first noise you just heard there comes from Phil. Good evening to you. Good evening. And we also have a fresh off of uh, another crushing result for um, his English side, certainly this weekend. Uh, Mr Jeremy Smith. Jess, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good, 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 good. All, all, all ship shape on the south coast right now, hey? It's going pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, I, I, I detect a small, I don't want to say too much in your voice there, so I'll swiftly move on before we <laughs> no, jinx I it. Just, I mean, when we lost to Fulham in midweek, I messaged my sister and saying, and said that the only consolation when we lose now is that it makes it a tiny less likely that Potter's going to be poached. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. He'll he'll be there until England crash out of the group stage of the World Cup, then he'd be gone. So treasure yeah, him while you've got him. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway, that's enough England for uh, for one episode. What are we, BT? Anyway, let's uh, talk a little bit about, about the league on action that we have seen since we last podded, which uh, for those of you keeping score would have been last Monday. So we have had two rounds of games um, as is the norm for this season we're not going to sort of specifically run down the scores as a group but we will transition them as we go um, and as we pick up on a few subjects I'm sure the results will uh, will come to pass as we go but um wanted to start this week by talking about um, you got away with it last time Jess you're not getting away with it this time um, I wanted to praise a, a club that are having a wonderful time of it at the moment and they had some interesting news announced over the week or in the past week which I also wanted to discuss that club being Lance and they are they're, they beat Sir Lorient 5-2. We'll skip over that quite quickly because, you know, nobody needs to talk about that, do they? But they were very impressive, to be fair, in, in midweek. So, yeah, that 5-2 victory saw them continue the good starts their season. But another win at the weekend. What what I kind of wanted to ask you first, Jess, before we come on to the, the signing or the, the, the Fafana re-signing as it is, um, what, what do you feel Lons have, have done to continue this, this wave? Because... There's a classic kind of uh, second season syndrome. When a club does unexpectedly well one season, it doesn't often transition into the next season unless they've made radical changes to the squad, etc. Lons haven't really done that. They've just kept continuity and kept a very good manager. What what do you feel is their success? Um, well, I think some of it is, is exactly what you said there, continuity and a very good manager. I mean, um, this is really their, their third season, so had two, two seventh-place finishes and you know, arguably, in a way, the seventh-place finish last year was a little bit disappointing. Um, but they've they've just got, you know, they're not obviously not the only ones, but they've got their sort of model of finding bar- bargains, if that's the right word, or finding players that aren't the obvious people to to bring in who fit perfectly into their system um, and then have a very good sort of scouting network so that even when those those players leave um, they've got people to replace them um, so you know obviously um, I've forgotten his name now is it Frankowski definitely yes, the Polish, the Polish yeah, Frankowski, yeah, he, yeah he came in he came in last year actually to replace Jonathan Kloss because 
people thought he was going to leave last summer. Klaus himself, obviously, like a little bit of a sort of journeyman player until until loss. Um, Frankowski made a name for himself. Klaus has now gone on to Marseille, um, but has been well replaced. You've got, you know, players going forward. They've got so many goal scorers. You know, Combin now they've got Oponta, who's doing really well. Um, so, you know, Samba and Goal, who obviously, you know, I think had a, as far as I know, did very well at Nottingham Forest. It was a little bit of a surprise that that he left. And, you know, just as sort of Lekkers kind of falling off maybe the the um, you know, his prime form, they they they've they've replaced him. So that goes back to your continuity point. Um so I think just everything in the club seems to be working well. Mainly, I mean uh, a bit uh dirty comparing them but you know you mentioned brighton earlier it, it isn't dissimilar in that it feels like the 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 sort of you know directors and scouts and people doing their bit off the pitch uh, at the top of their game the the coach who arguably similarly was kind of you know eyebrows were raised when when he came in to replace i think it was montagna when they got promoted but he's been absolutely fantastic um they're they're three at the back the the way they play is just exciting and you know Vincent Duluc the 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 equipe sort of in his editorial the the other day um talked about kind of how arguably already the the sort of model for the season has been set in that PSG Marseille Lyon are you know the big three clubs are in the top four and joined by the most thrilling team to watch as as he called them loss so i think they're they're just winning friends as well by the way they're playing and i assume i don't know but you know if you're even if you're playing in a successful team that but they're sort of grinding out turgid one nil wins every single week maybe it's not so enjoyable but if you're actually playing in a team that's winning while playing thrilling attacking football then it's probably a really positive dynamic that you know kind of virtuous circle it just you know as it's going well you're enjoying it it's fun it's going to keep going well so i think as as long as as long as airs is there as long as the the directors in the background are there and yeah for fun i think is a massive massive deal i mean partly because um Obviously, he's such a great player, but I think more also as a statement that yeah. although that they've got this model of of um, finding bargains and selling them on, they're also not going to be pushed around. And there's certain players that they you know they know the value of and will keep if they want to or need to. And obviously, that the fact that he's happy to stay there says a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite wholesome, wasn't it? On the pitch, if for uh, those who haven't seen it, it was in the midweek win over Lauren where they they sort of turned the the uh, floodlights down encouraged all the crowd to sort of put their mobile phone lights on. They brought a desk out onto the pitch and, and announced him. And he, he looked quite, <laughs> he looked quite emotional. I, th- I thought it was really nice. Um, I should correct myself as well. They, they didn't actually win at the weekend. They drew uh, with, uh, with Raus, um Flo Balogun continuing his good form for the home side. But as mentioned uh, there, Louis Sependa, that just mentioned, got another goal and got a point for Lons, that, who did have 10 men. That was well going down to 10 men. Mm, yeah, 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 so yeah that's good. But I think as well as what Jess said about all the creativity and it's lovely to watch, etc., they do have a backbone. Mm, yeah. In- 
in terms of not being pushed around, I think he mentioned as well. Because, yeah, they lost Machado with uh, 30 minutes to go, Balogun scores, but then they were still able to get one back. And that's been a bit of a theme over the weekend. There were a couple of red cards. I say a couple. A I, think there were, I think there were five over the round. But we also saw Strasbourg um, getting a point as an away side down to 10 men. And that, if the refereeing is going to continue like this, those kind of performances from those teams that can uh, pull it together and keep their concentration uh, when those kind of things happen is going to be very important. So um, that's uh, another aspect to them. Yeah. Yeah, we may well touch on officiating if we get time. We've got a lot to get through today, but we'll see what we can cover because there's one incident in particular that I, baffles me, but still. But, uh, yeah, good, very good performance from Valence so far this season. And, and I think just echoing what you said there, both of you said actually about the statement making, I think it's also quite a, a good statement for the league. I mean, I'm not suggesting that Seiko Fafana means that all you know all players will want to stay in Liga long-term now. I'm not saying it's always going to happen but when you... When you have a situation where Mbappe has stayed and now Fofana, who was courted by multiple English clubs as well as clubs, I think this cup in the Bundesliga had a look as well. You know, I think that is quite a big statement that he chose to stay because um, he clearly was, had offers. I mean, I, I was thinking that you know that there have been a couple of big names that have, that have come in and obviously a few names that have, that have left. Um, but yeah, arguably the the sort of biggest successes of the of the French transfer window have been. You know, the likes of those two, obviously, but also Bourguignon and Terrier, uh, uh, mm. Ren both staying. So, yeah, hopefully that's a positive sign. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and a uh, few interesting transfers to round up later on as well. Phil, I wanted to ask you about, um, while we're on the subject of teams that are doing well, we'll stick with that for a minute before we look at some teams that are not doing so well. Olympic du Marseille, they are... Um, they're, they're an interesting sort of case, I guess, to highlight because it, it changes so quickly with, with Marseille. Mm. You know, they're up, they're down. We never quite know where they are. But right now, things seem to be going rather well for Igor, Tudor and co. They're joint top of the table. They've got a plus 10 goal difference. They haven't lost all season. They've got Alexis Sanchez sort of finding some of his better form since re-signing. The dressing room seems to be calm. Uh, Bamba Dieng um, not so much maybe well I'm, I'm, that, that, I guess that's the question really because hmm. of, of the players that clearly he fell out with Bamba Dieng was one of them who didn't get his deadline day move because of a failed medical which is interesting but um, he seems to have built bridges with a couple of other players that, that maybe weren't 100% on the same wavelength when he first came in and he now seems to be fair. I think Dieng never really wanted to leave. So well, that's true. If certain yeah, yeah. clubs would have him, great. But there were others. You know, I think they tried to offload him to Antwerp, and he refused. Yeah, and uh, and he was was it he, he was in the the airport when he turned down Leeds in favour of Nice, and then obviously that didn't happen. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes, or you know whether he gets any game time. But yeah, well, I mean, what do you make of their form, Phil, so far? Because I know it's it is early stages. We have to caveat it with saying it's six games in. But as they head into a European week and a, an away trip to Spurs, please win. Um, they are showing some decent form, aren't they? And it does look all quite rosy at the Velodrome. 
Yeah, and I think um, this team feels like it's been overhauled very much. You've got new people coming in, Klaus, obviously Sanchez coming in, whatever. But it seems to have uh, clicked, gelled reasonably early. And I think that's only going to be a good sign when they're fighting on both fronts. I mean, the Winbrick game, they beat uh, Clermont 1-0 with a girl from uh, Gay. Um, and at the weekend, they played Oxair, who probably aren't going to cause many people problems, 2-0 with goals from Gerson and Sanchez. So I think... Um, Payet has been for several seasons the key guy but bringing in Sanchez I think has maybe taken a little bit of the pressure off him who maybe doesn't necessarily deal well with pressure and some of the other signings they've made have been very impressive to shore up that uh, the kind of the, the the back of the team. Uh, so if you got Klaus and Tavares at fullbacks, that's impressive. And maybe while Tudor losing his shit on the sidelines and risking being sent off might not be the best thing overall. I think it does uh, maybe endear him to some people because he's clearly getting angry about this. He's clearly invested in this. And that is what uh, the Marseille fans very much want to see. And I imagine that's also going to be what the players want to see as well. That This is a guy who is going to wave his arms around and start screaming um, when things don't go their way. So... It's looking good at the moment, and but now we're going to see uh, Europe come into this. More games being uh, put in the in the schedule. They need to keep this going through that, and that's going to be, I think, the 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 thing where we start to really be able to. Um, identify what Marseille's form is like when we start hitting 10 games and more. Yeah, so I think that, that that is a marker for me that I look at 10 games. I just feel like it's it's a good, it's, it's kind of a good benchmark to look at where all the, all the clubs are. And, and I suppose some people would say, have Marseille had the hardest fixtures to start the season? Probably no, not. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that would be the other argument. And as you, as you mentioned there, filming beating Clermont and Osea in a week, you, you would expect them to do that. They were pretty good against uh, against Osea, to be fair, at the weekend. And and that combination of Luis Suarez, not that one, and Alexis Sanchez seems to be, uh, or rotating between the two, seems to be working. And uh, yeah, Nuno Tavares, I think he gave an interesting, interesting interview in the week where he was sort of saying that he wasn't really played in his right position at Arsenal, which is probably fair given the fact he can't really defend. But if you put him on the wing or as a wide fullback, He's, uh, he's having a lovely old time. And they brought in Cabora as well, um, who was on loan. I think it was Manchester City, I think, owned his rights. He was at Twilight last season. So it does look like a fairly settled side. But this is Marseille. Stay tuned.
I think is probably <laughs> where, where we're going to leave that one for a minute. Um, let's have a look at some clubs that are struggling then. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give, uh, well, I'll, I'll give... I'll give you uh, Angers and uh, and Strasbourg here, Jez, um, as a pa- as a partnership, as a package deal. Two very different clubs, obviously, and and in light, I, th- I think I think we've been saying probably for about eighteen months that Angers might have a struggle. And Phil and I were talking about the the post Moulin effect last week on last week's pod, but they are that they look in all kinds of trouble for me this season in particular. Um, there's something about. I don't know how to put it. Something about the, the way they're defending or, or lack thereof. There doesn't seem to be a lot of goal threat. They shipped five to uh, Leon at the weekend, which, you know, Leon plays some good football at the moment. Credit to them. But five nil away defeat is, is not ideal. And I just I just look at there's something about shipping four to Ross. Well, yeah, and that, that was the other that was the other result I was going to mention at a four two, and that was at home as well. They're, I look at their squad and I just think that this should be this should be a bit better than four straight defeats in second bottom. That's them. Let's, let's deal with them first of all. We'll come on to Strasbourg. What what do you what would you change? Put it that way, Jez. What what do you feel would be the right change for Angers to make? Because I feel like they're stuck between two stables at the moment. They don't really know what kind of team they want to be. I think that um, mentioned the the Moulin effect. I don't, I I think. It's a bit harsh on on Batty to put it down to that, considering that certainly the first half of last year, I think he did very well. Um, I think there's there's still a lot of issues in the background there, and and you know sort of disagreements between presidents and sporting directors and things like that. Um, but and maybe arguably sort of um, touching on the same thing or connected with that. Remember, in the summer, they lost Mosson, Traore, Thomas, and Mongani. Now, they're, you know, they're all on the wrong side of 30. So you could say, well, that's not such a bad thing. They, you know, they're, they're not up to playing 90 minutes 38 times um, anymore. But that was also, you know, I can't remember exactly, but probably close to about Yes, well over a thousand, probably close to two thousand professional matches or something between them. Um, maybe I'm overdoing it, but certainly around a thousand at least. Um, that's a hell of a lot of experience, a lot of nous. Um, they're mostly defenders, but they're goal scoring defenders as well. That's a lot, a lot to sort of lose okay. at the same time, and. You look at the team that, um, you know, for example, that 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 played against Lyon, that started against Lyon. You've got Nabil Bentaleb as captain, who, you know, in my view, has never has often been a sort of flaky kind of player. Buffal even more so. Diony, good on his day, but he's never really kind of fulfilled. I think the potential that some people saw in him. There's not the same kind of leaders I think they're really missing. You know, Unu has come back and, and to France and I think has always been a very good professional. Huntonji as well, but they're they're adjusting to a new team as well. I I feel like this is a completely new cycle for, for Angers. You know, they've they've also lost um Cho, who's obviously a, a big talent up front. 
Um, I'm sure another striker, but I can't think who right now. Um, Fulgini, obviously, who was like a you know Swiss Army knife of a player who could, you know, a bit of a Tadiso who could play anywhere and play very well, whichever position he found himself in. And even though not necessarily a striker, came up with important goals. This is, you know, these are very, very important players that they've lost all in one go. And while I think there is still some talent and there's some very good young players coming through there, it's a hell of a lot to to put on put on them to all sort of mould and immediately develop an understanding and start playing well together. So I think I don't think they should be judged too harshly on what they're doing at the moment. But the concern is that by the time, you know, even if they do sort of gel by the time they do that they could well be adrift as you said sort of shipping four one week five the next it's not it's not great yeah yeah it's it's really not and yeah i I think like you said that it needs to change sooner rather than later because off the back of those two those two defeats that's four defeats in a row now and a minus 11 goal difference at this stage of the season is is not good but just above them phil we find strasbourg and I don't mean, I can't really work this one out either. Julian Stefan had a, oh. a, a lovely old time last year. And, uh, you know, this year, I again, watching them, it feels like there's a lack of goal threat a little bit. They drew 1-1 with Nantes uh, in midweek. They do get pegged back late, to be fair. And uh, at the weekend, a similar score against Brest. Um, because York did get a goal, but Pritchett was sent off in that one. So that kind of killed them, or killed any chance of them getting the three points in that particular game. Any observations on what you see going wrong with them at the moment, or is it just a question of time to click? Well, I hope so, because they have had, shall we say, not the hardest uh, start to the season. I mean, Monaco, you might think, but Monaco have been up and down. They've had four draws and two losses so far, playing Monaco, Nice, Reims, Auxerre, not embraced. I mean, they haven't had to go up against a big gun yet, and they don't look ready to do that. And the thing is, this continues. So it's next up the Clermont, Montpellier, Rennes, arguably bigger, Angers. But then things start getting a bit more interesting. Um, so it's going to be, they might feel like, oh, we're getting points, we're getting draws, fine. But if you're doing that against the clubs you should be beating, then when you get hammered by the bigger clubs, you've got very little room for error there. So I think this is they look like, in a sense, the flat club this season. They're not going to be terrible, but they're not going to be good. Unless they can sort that out, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it it does. feels a bit of a sticky wicket. I I haven't seen them sort of in a full game this season that I can think of. I think I've only seen highlights, but they're just... Everything you see, it doesn't seem to be clicking. And and again, on paper, that squad looks like it should be, you know, comfortably mid-table. I think maybe they overperformed last season, but certainly I wouldn't expect them to be as one of the bottom four 
uh, maybe at this stage of the season, should be pointed out they have only lost one of their last four. So, I mean, you know, if you, uh, sorry, one of their last five, they've drawn four of those games. If you look at it from that perspective, um, you know, it's not like they're getting humped every week, uh, small mercies. But uh, clubs that are getting humped seemingly every week, although that's a slight exaggeration, but they are certainly getting humped on a regular basis, such as his niece. We did, we did kind of go deep on, on, Ineos and, and everything that goes with it a few weeks ago. So I kind of don't want to go back over that ground again. But I do want to kind of look at what they're looking, you know, what, what are they looking to do here? Because it looks like a club that is is all over the shop at the moment. A lot of transfer business done. They brought uh, Nicolas Pepe in. Last night they announced the signing of Ross Barkley, which I know a lot of people sort of find that a bit of a weird one. I actually, I'm actually quite intrigued by what they're doing with this sort of Anglo anglo recruitment that they're, they're doing they did win at lille in midweek uh delora and Pepe himself with a penalty but then last night i mean I, I watched that game i don't know if you got a chance to see it they lost one nil to monaco with a sort of a, the easiest goal that um Breland bolo will ever score at the back post header in a delightful purple strip that uh, monaco have this season he Had scored an easier goal couldn't he score that one earlier this season again against yeah Rennes? Yes, yeah, uh, that was at home, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the back post. But I, yeah, I just I watched that game. And a, it was a terrible game. I, I just found it so it was painful to watch that game, and I thought it would be all right, and it just wasn't. What what is is it just a case of too many players in for Nice, and then you just need to settle, or are we going to go? Are we going to sort of pull the trigger early on on managerial situation here? Because you did say, and credit to you, you're not a big fan of of going back, shall we say? And that's exactly what needs to be done. Is it? Are we going to be in a situation before Christmas where they're going to be looking to make another change, or am I being a bit sort of over the top here and throwing uh, Lucien Favre under the bus too too soon? I think again, as you said, that there's been a lot of change there. I mean, there's still uh, not that many players have left, but they've brought in a lot of presumably or certainly potential first teamers um and i think again that they need a little bit of time to gel you know we know that pepe is a is a decent player for for liga but arguably his his confidence is not where it could be and he needs a little bit of time to acclimatize um Laborde has come in, and and we know that he and, and he and Delor can make a good partnership together, but they need to to reestablish that after a year or two apart. Um, also, you know, from, from memory, they used to play sort of as a front two. If they're going to play a three four three or or four three three, then they they need to sort of acclimatize to to playing with someone else alongside them. Um, Turam. I wonder if he's a little bit unsettled by the fact that there were a few rumours linking him with other clubs, not least PSG, but he's still there. Um, it still worries me that that um, they still seem very reliant on 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 Dante or Donch, however yeah. you want to pronounce it, in in defence to to carry that defence. Schmeichel, um, I have to say, I'm enjoying every second of it, but it hasn't looked great since he's arrived. Um, what so, do you like about Schmeichel? I'm intrigued. He always plays well against Brighton. Oh, I see. <laughs> gotcha. Oh no, he just, I just find him a bit dislikable, but like father, like son, I guess. Yeah. Um. Uh. 
so yeah i mean th- there's no doubt that it's a very very strong squad if they all play at their best and they all start playing well together as you said barkley you know one of those players who sort of never really um fulfilled all the potential that everyone saw in him since he since he originally left everton but again a good player there ramsey obviously a good player when he's fit um so there's a hell of a lot of talent there, but it's just it feels like a bit of a mishmash of of sort of um, players on their way up, players on their way down, a few journeymen, um, and then you've got Favre, who yeah, I just I'm not sure he's up to kind of restarting that kind of project that he was so successful with the first time round at um, at Nice. Also, from was Favre after Puel? Was it Puel had already sort of put some good things in place? Maybe I'm misremembering, but oh, I think he yeah, was. yeah, that's how I remember. I, I, yeah, God, it feels like a long time ago now, but yeah, I think he was. I think he was. And the midfielders he's got, you know, if he wants to sort of re-establish what he did last time, I don't think he has the same sort of profile of players to do that. So I, I, just, I think he, he, he might struggle, but yeah, just something there doesn't seem right. Um, you know, going back a year or two, where you know they were supposed to be the the next big project, and Gautier was meant to be the you know the, the person to carry them through, which I think he could have been, but again, a lot of that came down to um, issues off the pitch and disagreements with uh, um, sporting directors. I think you've got a lot of very strong characters there, like Favre himself, but now you've got Dave Brailsford getting involved. Um, I just I feel like they just don't really know what their project is, what they want to do, how much they want to spend. Do they want to sort of go stellar or just go for, you know, the likes of Ramsey's and 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 Barclays, people like that? Um, it should be exciting, um, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> should but isn't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just I. Sort of took a, took some time at halftime to to just look at their squad, and I was like, "There's, there's don't get me wrong, it's not a league only squad, but there's enough good players there. It feels like there's enough good players. Maybe some that were good and maybe are not so good now. Maybe, but yeah, I just it's a weird one. It's a weird one. And and Monaco, to be fair to them, you know, they took advantage and, and got a much needed win for them because um, they they too have, I think you alluded to it earlier on, Phil, have had a bit of an up and down start to their season so um much needed win for for them as well especially heading into what they've got next they lost to take... midweek didn't they monica sorry go take, sorry you you take the sort of guiri board swap mm. and guiri's form has sort of dropped off a cliff in 2022 but that's as much as anything because he's been played out of position mm. um bringing la in i know as we said la board and delore obviously can play together but they are similar profiles as well. Guerri gave you oh. something very different, and mm. it just, to me, again, Ren have definitely got the better of that deal. I mean, it yeah. remains to be seen, but it just seems like they've made the more sensible move. Yeah, I mean, um, looking back at when they played together at Montpellier, obviously it was, yeah, you've got two similar guys up front because you have sense in those seasons not that massive amount of creativity so having two battering rams was better than one but if you're hoping to go further 
then maybe that's not the best the best look. Mm. I do I do wonder as well with with clubs when they when they bring in so many players. I know we've seen it like with a lot of talk in England about Nottingham Forest and what they've done, like twenty one old players. I I do often think sometimes it just is a little bit too unsettling for, for clubs and you look at the amount of players that Nice have had in, had out, and like you said, they're just you know new coach coming in as well with maybe older methods. Um, it just feels, I don't know. I, I there, there's enough good players at Nice that leads me to think that they won't be down there for too long. Um, but it, it again probably needs to click sooner rather than later. Sort of I mean, feel they're not going to be going down or anything, but oh, they no. should be challenging for Champions League places. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and they've is. got a hell of a lot of ground to make up to do that now. Yeah, this is this stage, uh, this... which is, I would imagine, worrying the uh, higher command. Yeah, well, th- th- this is the other issue, isn't it? You know, how, how long do you leave it before you're too far back to then challenge for the positions you want to be in? And uh, yeah, there's, there's a few few clubs in in that bracket at the moment in terms of sort of having uh, sort of find feeling their way into the season. I, I would almost put sort of Lille, Monaco, Nice, and and Rennes in similar boxes at the moment. Obviously, Nice are the farthest away from that because they're down in sixteenth. But all four of those clubs have had sort of mixed form in this season. Monaco in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of positive for all of them. That not you know, there's not that many teams. As you said, like if you look at all of them as sort of rivals for similar positions, at least none of none of those ones are sort of running away with it. So yeah. All, but yeah, you you know, there's no reason why someone like Loss can't maintain that all the way through the season, and then they're in trouble. Yeah. Lille have been surprisingly, I think, good so far this year. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. Leon um, unbeaten in was it five unbeaten now? Four wins out of their last five. And Lille just behind them in fifth uh, on 10 points. So um, should we mention the team that are sixth as well? Because they're having a great season. Um, I think they're called L'Oreal. <laughs> uh, but all, all, all sort of jokes aside, I don't know if you've seen the the passing move that um, that leads to the goal from Atara at the weekend. So L'Oreal beat Ajaxia 1-0. And it's it, it's ge- genuinely, if Barcelona did it, you wouldn't see it. It would be all over the, the internet, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah, a really it, good piece of... It's a jazz here. Yeah, I know, but you can only He's thirteen. Fine. I'm, 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 am t- taking it and I'm enjoying it. We're, we're sixth. We're having a lovely time. I'm, I'm planning a trip before well, Christmas if, and all this. If well. we can do, do that down to seventh. I know Montpellier lost at the weekend. Yes, another red card. Red, fifth red in six games. Jesus. They're an angry bunch, aren't they? But but if you did see the opening goal from mine, that was oh, that was hilarious, awesome. Um, that keeper needs to go. I'm, by the way, Shardy. I'm oh my God. not sure if that. So the ball comes over, bounces very high. Why he jumps for it, misses it completely. But that means the little goalkeeper is all over the shop. The two other. Lille defenders have gone out of the way so he can take it and then while he kind of nips around the back and, and finishes beautifully it was a great finish if he meant that to be a dummy it's 
possibly the best dummy I've ever seen. I suspect he didn't mean yes. uh, that to be a dummy, uh, but he did at least have the presence of mind to uh, to follow it up yeah. with a great finish. And then, of course, we got um, uh, the equaliser from Lille from Jonathan David, uh, set up by Remy Cabela, yeah. who was booed when he went off, obviously. Um, but then Valajaman was sent off getting the fifth red for Montpellier, and in the second half, it all got a bit awkward. I mean, it had been awkward before that. I think Leland hit the woodwork a couple of times. Um, so it was, yeah. It, it was weird, but I what amused me was um, um, Angel Gomez scored the second for Lille, at which point Lille brought on Andre Gomez yes. to play alongside Benjamin Andre and Angel Gomez, and the commentary team were like, "What? What Thanks. do we call all of these people?" Because I think they settled on Angel, Andre, and Gomez, but everybody kept fucking that up. So that was that was um, kind of amusing. We thought Team Jonathan was confusing, uh, but they are really bringing it to a new level with nobody being able to commentate on their games because all of the players have the same names. Sounds like a really crap lawyer, doesn't it? Gomez, Gomez and Angel. Yeah, yes, yeah, it, it was. Um, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was surprised that there was so much furore about the red card. I thought it was a pretty... I mean, I don't think he meant it, but it was a pretty wild swipe down the back of the, the Achilles. I, I thought it was a pretty... From a player you don't really expect that kind of challenge from. I was really surprised that the commentary um, in the UK uh, that we had, were, you know, they were very surprised that he saw red for that. I, I personally wasn't. So make your own mind up, people, if you get a chance to see that one. But it's... Um, uh, yeah. I Personally, I just didn't really see the argument for Valajama, but such is life. And also look out for quite an interesting celebration at the end of that game from Jonathan David, where he, I don't know where he acquired the, the, the glasses from, but he had some sunglasses and uh, and was sort of posing in them uh, for the world celebrations, which I quite enjoyed. I think it's on his Instagram. So I don't know where, I don't think he had them on his person. I think he got them from the crowd. But yeah, that was a, a nice little moment as well. Um, just before we come on to the European games, which we will do, um, we'll probably talk about PSG and a bit of, a bit of Marseille. We've kind of done most of Marseille already, but just wanted to ask you, Jez, because I know, Phil, it's not your cup of tea, um, transfers. Anything that sort of jumped out at you on, on the deadline day, Jez? Um, you, you can mention El Shisha's uh, move to Lorient if you like, because I'm particularly excited about that one. No, maybe not, but... Was there any moves that you were particularly sort of impressed with or surprised at? You mentioned the Guiri to Ren, Carlos Solo went to PSG. Any others that stood out for you? Genuinely don't remember. <laughs> it um, does feel like a long time ago, doesn't it? Uh, Laborde going to um, going to uh, uh, I'm glad you forgot. Yeah, as I said, I think Guiri to Ren. The swap deal, Ren and these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Don't worry if you can't, if, if there's nothing that, that immediately comes to mind. I mean, that there was so many. I looked at the transfers before the pod and I was like, do we even go through all these? It's just going to be here forever. But I, I I feel like most of the sort of bigger deals were done earlier on in the summer. I think we no, mentioned. I mean, all I'd say is that I was just, it felt like there was a lot less. Trolley dashing? No, just um, less players going from France. I was going to say to England, but arguably Germany as well. I mean, obviously there was a still still a decent amount, but it felt like there was a bit less than usual. Yeah. Um, you know, all the stats have gone out about how much the Premier League spent compared to all the other, all yeah. the other leagues, and it really is just absolutely farcical. Yeah. Every year. Um, but we know France, you know, a lot more so than, than the other three big leagues are going to be sort of pillaged. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's always just a case of, of who's still left standing. And and as we said, I think they did quite well to keep hold of some players. And, um, you know, you mentioned Jonathan David there. I think it's another sort of coup that he stayed. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we also get the chance to see teams like Reims, for example, who have sold quite a few players, but it means that a lot of young players are, are coming through again. Um, yeah, I, ca I can't think off the top of my head of, of which particular transfers sort of stood out. You know, there's a few like sort of cheeky ones like Alexis Claude Morris. Yeah, going for Lance. I Lance, think he yeah. could be useful. What we didn't say about Lance is just it seems like they have so many players who are capable of scoring goals from all over the pitch, and mm. and that that's another thing. I mean, I guess you know it sort of comes with the way they play, but um, you know, and you've got sort of fullbacks scoring blinders, yeah. midfielders, you know, supposedly kind of box to box players doing step overs and, and hitting them into the top corner and you've got players like Sotoka scoring hat tricks. The goals really can come from anywhere. Um so it's a handy net yeah, to have, just, isn't it? Yeah. So I th I think generally arguably it's been sort of one of the most positive transfer windows in a way because a lot of star names have stayed. A few more have come in. There's, I guess, from a sort of English point of view, that there's some interesting ones that have come in. Obviously, like Balogun has started brilliantly. Mm. Um, I mean, coming from the English league, obviously, Ramsey and Barkley, as we said, are you know, really interesting ones to to see how they do. Um so, so certainly as an Arsenal fan, you must like have a you know, seeing Gwendouzi and Sanchez celebrating together yeah. and, like, do something for you. Taking it back. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, I think in I feel like Liga feels slightly more positive or maybe has a little bit more self-respect after a transfer window than it than it has done at other times in the last few years. Mm. But now obviously that all those players need to kind of put it out there on the pitch and, and as you sort of alluded to, when you look at Nice Monaco yesterday, and these are supposed to be two of the marquee clubs, it's a little bit concerning that that what well, it was such a poor show. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I do wonder as well how many how many players uh, are, are we, we've seen a lot in the in the press about players needing to move to get regular minutes for the World Cup. I wonder how many players have actually turned down moves because they're actually playing for their clubs 
and therefore will get world club places if you know what i mean like sometimes that step up that you might make to a bigger club maybe you don't do it this year yeah. because you're a new world cup don't take and... the risk exactly Just yeah stay you know. where you know what's going on stay yeah. where you yeah stay where you are stay where you where you're comfortable speaking of the world cup just before we go on to european information a bit of breaking news this evening is apparently that um paul Bog- paul pogba um separate from witch doctors apparently uh is very much looking more and more likely that he won't make the world cup now because he is going to undergo surgery for this uh issue that he's had so um could be in a weird way could be a blessing in disguise for france i want to say is that well, too controversial given I what's just, gone on? i i know we talked about this last week but i just want to come back to marab uh, which is the French word for who you're talking to, because he has now apparently said that he got somebody in, uh, but it was to support uh, a charity. Now, if you say witch doctor, that sounds bad. Marable, if you look it up, isn't... is isn't a witch doctor, is, uh, you know, a holy man, is a student and an expert, theologically speaking. So this is more like, please pray in support of etc., which is, I think, very different than the way it's being portrayed now i might be very wrong but the way i think the translations are working here and not helping with the general presentation of of the issue like if i you know said my my father was is a retired methodist minister um if i got a bishop or him or the president of conference to pray for uh, a particular cause I was interested in, it wouldn't sound like, oh, he's got a witch doctor involved. I mean, it just, it does sound bad the way it's being portrayed. And I think that might be part of uh, what we're having to talk about now. I think that... um... Pogba's always been a bit of a sort of divisive player, and I think, like mm-hmm. you know, in a way, in a way that just just the last the last match of the last Euros kind of summed him up in that he scored that absolutely superb goal, but and looked so good going forward, but didn't make a tackle all match, and he's the one who um, conceded possession when when Switzerland equalised, and and mm-hmm. I think a. Um, I don't know. I, for me, he was one of the unsung heroes of the last World Cup, and I still think he he brings a lot to France. But he's been out for you know he's had his injury issues. Conte's had his injury issues. Um, I don't think it's. I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise in terms of all this new story and all the Mbappe stuff, which I think is a bit of a bit of nothing. Although Mbappe's touchiness about everything is getting very very tiresome. I think he was threatening to sue. Daniel Riolo last week or something I can't remember but um 
he he's come out today and said he's you know he he'd rather give his teammate the benefit of the doubt which i think is the right thing to say but you know if chuameni and kamavinga for example um oh. you know, play 30 odd matches together for real madrid this year mm. and they you know arguably you've got your your central midfield sorted um yeah. for france um Gwendouzi, is not my favourite player, but he certainly hasn't done anything wrong when he's been given, given a chance for France. So there's still a lot of players there. Um, I have to say I'm not I'm not positive about France's chances at the World Cup at all, just because I feel that there just seems to be so many stupid subplots looming. You know, <laughs> we don't need to talk again about how Giroud has already started the season really well and, and obviously <laughs> is presumably going to be completely ignored. Um, you know, everyone, there's the whole lazy trope about trope is probably the wrong word but you know France should walk the World Cup because they've got so many brilliant centre-backs I still think first of all you can only play two or three at maximum and secondly I'm still not sure how many of them walk into a world 11 they're all very good but I'm not sure how many of them are absolutely top top class at least yeah. not yet um so yeah, there's there's still a lot of work for Deschamps to do, and and I'm slightly concerned that the sort of typical French cycle means that we'd do another implosion before another successful World Cup. Yeah, yeah, it's a slight slight worry. I I do I do get you there. I but if you're going to implode, I'd rather it was a stupid November World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, which doesn't really. Yeah, it's one of those. If you win it, then great. But if you don't, you sort of go there. Ah, well, it's a lot of shit anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the the centre back point you just made there was something that caught my eye the other day. I was looking down the list at all of the centre backs, even down to one that I don't believe has even been capped in Kalulu at AC Milan. There's there is so many good centre backs out there, isn't there? They yeah, really well, are. Um, you know, I I can't remember if it was James Horncastle or, or Julien Laurence, but at least one of them was was saying that you know he was a genuine candidate for Serie A Player of the Year last year. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was brilliant for for Milan. And when you consider like Michele has gone to PSG now, um, you know what whatever you think of of Kim Pembe on his day, uh, Saliba obviously has, has had a really good Love start to the season as well. Little, <laughs> well, yeah, um, there's there, there's there's a few that will divide opinion, no doubt, but. Uh, quite a few. What nationality is Disarcy? Is he French? I think yeah. he's French, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know why. I always, I always say at Monaco signed so many players of sort of French or African descent. I never quite know which one, uh, which which nations they are. But yeah, uh, Disarcy and Badiashile as well as is also French, isn't he? So yeah, I, I, I have to say that if France ever fielded a central defence of Varane and Saliba. I think I'd give up football. I don't think I could be any happier. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a bit worried about Rafa Varane. I, I, I feel like since that United movie, he's just just lost a bit. I don't, I don't know what it is. Something. I think I don't know. probably playing alongside Harry Maguire. To be fair, well, he, he only conceded one at the weekend, didn't he? Yeah. Well, let's not talk about that. Um, well, no, no, actually, from, no. From what from what I hear, they've looked a lot better since he's replaced Maguire. He oh yeah he's he's been better since he's come in and played alongside Martinez but um, facts are facts they conceded two yesterday not one um, but let's move on before I get upset because oh, we're going to talk about this allowed goals yesterday <laughs> well yeah okay um, 
just quickly, and I do mean quickly because I, know, I don't want us to go on for too much on this, we do just want to quickly look at Europe, but have either of you got an opinion on the VAR situation? Um, there's been a lot of talk about it in England, which has brought it to my attention, but watching that Monaco game with Nice last night, there was the most blatant penalty I've ever seen not given. That even went, I don't, I, actually, I don't even know if it went to VAR, but it was it was replayed. Um, yeah, I didn't understand that one. I, I didn't, and... and uh, Chess, you know it's serious when even Jonathan Pierce is confused. I mean, that's when you know it's serious. Shit. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't for the life remember who the player was. Now, I think it was, I think it was uh, Kyra Enrique was taken out. I think for memory, but it was just the most blatant penalty I've ever seen. Not referred. French referees, to me, I'm not going to name any names here. If you need to look them up, please feel free. They do strut around with a, a sense of a, a sense of of Gallic arrogance, don't they, French referees? And I don't know whether this well, is a... I've read The weekend. <laughs> um, it does suggest that. It does, doesn't it? And when you think of the amount of red cards we've, we've talked about on this pod, you know, say another five at the weekend, there seems to be a lot of, of decisions. I I mean, what if I gave you both the choice, would you just get rid of it? Or, or do you, or do you stand on this side of the argument that it's not the technology, it's the people that are behind the technology? Because I, I personally, and maybe I'd regret saying this, I don't know, but I personally would just get rid of it. I, I, I much prefer a game. I hate the fact that you cannot, as a fan of a club or as a fan just of the game in general, you can't be excited about a goal anymore. Jez, you probably experienced this with Brighton yesterday. I experienced it. I, I was watching Liverpool Derby and yep, another one. That, but I am, as frequent listeners will know, I'm a data geek, and I think it should stay. But there needs to be a handbook, and people need to fucking read it. There needs to be more than that. I, I was listening. I, I don't know how it works in in France, but um, I was listening to I think a thing on BBC yesterday saying how um they were saying that the problem in England is first of all in all other countries. So I don't know if that does include France. Um, the people in the in the sort of VAR studio, whatever you want to call it, are they're not referees who just happen to not be refereeing that day kind of thing they are people who are there just to do the var stuff and another thing they suggested which i thought was an excellent idea was that you always have the same var official linked to the same referee so they sort of develop some kind of understanding during the course of the year um i think var is i to be honest i don't i don't really care either way but if it's gonna stay I, i i don't I don't have anything against VR, VAR in principle, but as you said, it's the the problem is the complete inconsistency. It's the way that the people interpret it, and certainly using the example of Brighton yesterday, for example, just how bloody long it takes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If if you're taking four and a half minutes, I don't know what the solution is, but if you're taking four and a half minutes to decide if something was the right or wrong decision, then surely at some point you need to say, well, let's just stick with the, the decision on the pitch. Yeah, the clear and obvious argument. If, if, yeah. if you have to think about it that long, then there's clearly there's clearly no clear and obvious decision. Right. I mean, so. to be honest, like, you know, all these things about, oh, it's ridiculous because he was offside by a toenail. 
I don't have an issue with that. I mean, you can argue that the rule needs changing, but that is the rule and you have to sort of have some kind of cutoff at some point. And as frustrating as it is when it's your team, that's fair enough. But then, you know, again, taking that example yesterday, the issue is sort of whether he was interviewing with play and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there just needs to be consistency. And um, again, I know this isn't about the Premier League, but, you know, that 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 West Ham thing. Oh, if the idea was, you know, I think that some people felt the VAR would be good because it would sort of start evening things out and there'd be fewer decisions going to the bigger teams. Well, from what I see, that that isn't the case at all. It's still the bigger teams benefiting. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it matters whether you've got it or not if there's, you know, basically incompetence and at best and something maybe a little bit more dark at worst yeah. at play. but yeah. um i in principle i still don't mind it and i don't i don't i take a little bit of issue with that referee you know typical gallic arrogance i think referees it's too pretty arrogant wherever they are and, and as a <laughs> that's, you know, that's fair, what yeah, we've yeah, seen this fair. weekend is that it's at least as bad if not worse in the premier league i think in terms of the red cards, I mean, first of all, I think there are some tackles that fly around in France that you don't always see everywhere else. And and um, there's been some very harsh decisions, but some others, I think, have been more than deserved. And then, I don't know, I, I feel that I'm hoping, I think the stats have shown that the last few years has been a lot more... Um, there are more red cards earlier in the season. So I think it's probably you know refs and players adjusting maybe you know even to each other and, and new players adjusting to the new league and you know relationships with referees you know I, I am a believer in referees sort of being able to say to a player you know that's your fight you know not joking around with them but being able to kind of have a chat with them and and you know, try to calm them down mm. before they do something stupid. If you're not familiar with the referee or you don't speak the language, I think there's going to be more misunderstandings there. And then I think there's also, there is, I think, an element of, you know, they some teachers are told, don't smile until Christmas, make sure you've got the authority. And then after that, you can relax and it'll have, you know, be a nice teacher and, and everyone will stay in line because they know yeah. that you have got that other side to you if need be i wonder if there's a little bit of that where, you know referees are told be extra harsh the first couple of months of the season and then everyone can calm down a bit yeah. i don't know that you know i'm speculating a lot there but i'm not too worried yet and again as much as everything else and all this you know you hate to see it no we don't red cards are fun as well <laughs> yeah. but i think um just Coming in on that a bit, because obviously I watch in France, so I get the French um, uh, commentary. Uh, one thing you hear so often is, en Angleterre, ça Basically, that wouldn't be a foul in England, in the Premier League. And it's a meme. Seriously, it's a cliche, it's a stereotype it that, nothing, does it? that in England, basically, you can get away with whatever you want as long as you're not actually armed with a weapon. Um, and when 
it's seen as a soft booking, for example, you'll hear that. That wouldn't have been a booking in England. It's really, I mean, it's, I find generally like French coverage or French sort of rose-tinted spectacles whenever the Premier mm. League comes up or English fans, all of that is so tiresome. And yeah, I mean, you can take the, take the, um, the Arsenal disallowed goal yesterday. Well, that's the kind of thing, if that had happened in France, you'd hear a commentator say that wouldn't have been given as a foul in England. Well, they absolutely are now. Yeah, even though it clearly wasn't a foul in any way, shape or form at all. Um, but then I also think the professionals have, uh, uh, what's the word, have um, a duty almost. I think if you're, if you look at the difference, if, if, if you look at the difference between how I believe it's Tielemans goes down in the Brighton game where there's just a 50-50, gets out-muscled, um, no, it's not Tielemans, is it? Tielemans makes the tackle, and whoever the Brighton player was, you know, he got he got shoved off the ball. It was a fair shoulder to shoulder. Leicester scored. There was no complaints from the Brighton players. There was no, you know, rolling around the floor. None of that. It was just, yeah, fair fair dues. He won the ball. They scored. You know, Ericsson goes down like he's been shot, and obviously, you know, everybody loves Chris Ericsson. I know, and I still do. But that to me is also when you've got players like. Bruno Fernandes and people like that who are, for me, just cheats. That's that's simply what they are. They might be talented, but they're also cheats. Well, I think um, I just think most footballers are cheats nowadays. Yeah, true. But there's there's yeah. that snidey cheat, isn't there? There's the David Luiz winking at the camera cheat, and then there's the the clever, you know, buying a clever foul cheat. And I, I, I think the only way, um, and I'll draw a line under the VAR thing here, is... The only thing I would personally introduce is exactly what you said there, Jez. I'd have people employed to be VARs. Like you go through a course, you know, whatever it is to become a VAR official, like you would a referee's course. That's your job. And also I would let the referee on the pitch be in control of the decisions. And if he or she gives a decision, that's fine. And unless it is a glaring error, that's when the VAR, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a, a question of, oh, well, we'll just check that. We'll just check this. We'll check everything. It is for me, you know, if a goal is clearly five yards offside and, and the referee gives it, fine. Then the VAR should then go, actually, you might want to you might wanna have a look at that. In fact, personally, I wouldn't, wouldn't have these screens. I just say, you know, we've looked at the replay. It's offside. We all, we all have the TV coverage. We're going to get replays of it at home. Okay, you won't see that in the stadium, but we've all got half the stadiums have got big screens now. You'll see the decision. If it's if it's clearly five yards offside, they can check these replays as the players are celebrating. You know, just quickly buzz the ear of the referee. Sorry, mate, you got that wrong. He's offside. No problem. Nobody would have any issue. But because we're, especially memes in England, you go to the screen, the, the decision is never changed. It's up, or sorry, it's always changed. You know, it's, it's never upheld. So... I don't know. I just, I just feel like unless it is a glaringly obvious error, and you know that Brighton game was a prime example. We had a, a brilliant moment and a brilliant goal taken away from a player um, because of a second phase of play that was completely irrelevant beyond the strike hitting the net. I just, anyway, let's move on. Um, before we finish, let's just have a quick look at the games ahead, both in Liga and in Europe. We've got Marseille in Europe in the Champions League on Wednesday away at Spurs, and before that. Uh, tomorrow, at time of recording, we've got uh, PSG hosting Juventus. That's uh, both Champions League ties. Uh, I think probably the tougher 
uh, of the games is going to be for Marseille. But, I mean, Juventus are slowly but surely rebuilding and the pressure will certainly be on PSG to win at home. We've also got the rearranged fixture between Lorient and Lyon, which is going to be played tomorrow night at 6pm, which I know the only person that's going to be interested in that is me, but, you know, I am. so (laughs) And we could go fourth if we win, so it's cool. On to the Europa League and Conference, meanwhile, uh, which is on Thursday. Ren are away at AEK Larnaca, who I believe is Cypriot. I think they're Cypriot. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Nort are home to Olympiakos, who are indeed Greek. And Red Star Belgrade are hosting Monaco. Uh, that's in the Europa League. And in the Europa Conference, uh, looks down the list, Nice, I believe, are in the early kickoff. Yes, they're hosting Cologne okay. in the early kickoff. Um, and we've got Nantes, not, I'm assuming Nantes are playing that night, are they? Nantes are playing Olympiakos. You just said that. I just said that. Sorry, I'm, look, I'm looking at two different. Of course, Nantes are in the. I, for some reason, I thought not when the Europa Conference. There's too um, many competitions. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, we saw on the weekend when Nom played PSG. I think both sides had other things on their mind, shall we say? Um, because yeah. both have yeah. got European things coming up. Um, not. I mean, Lafont, I was waiting for the Lafont show again. I think he made four saves, but if you're going to lose a guy, Fabio got sent off on, I think, 24 minutes. Yeah, it was early on, wasn't it? Yeah. It, that's not going to help. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we saw a, a brace for Mbappe. Mendes got one later on. Um but it was very clear that where PSG had their focus. What I thought was interesting about that was Neymar being on his best behaviour because he started on the bench, was brought on, no sulking or anything. So I think clearly he'd been told you're starting against Juventus. Um, so was less of a little madam than he often can yeah. be. And he's uh, had a lot of injuries as well, so it does make sense to maybe keep him wrapped in cotton wool if they are going to Again, with, with the whole, if you're going to now get the point of playing twice a week, yeah. you're going to have to rotate. Yeah. And that's just part of part of running a football club. So, yeah, Fabio probably not making many friends in the Canaries dressing room, but Lafont is still great. So, at home against Olympiacos, you'd be hoping they'd win that and um, hopefully to nil, uh, given. Uh, the defence they can put up when everybody is on the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, that will be interesting to see. But, yeah, I think Spurs-Marseille is clearly the one people are going to want to watch. Is that at the same time as PSG, you think? No, that's uh, Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday and PSG yeah. on, on Tuesday. So you, you've got the choice of watching both and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Tudor go full 
full Tuchel on Conte, that would be great fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, oh man, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't fancy Marseille's chances. I've got to be honest, but I would love to see it. So uh, just because basically everyone has said that Spurs are winning that group easily and have completely discounted every other team in it, I'd love to see Marseille uh, turn up the record books and and. Uh, turn up in London and smash them, but obviously I'm slightly biased, but you know. And the PSG Ventus game, yeah, that has a that has a whiff of, of a classic European night in Paris about it. We shall see what, what PSG turn up because one thing's for sure, all eyes will be on them um, as far as Europe goes. And uh, and my apologies to Nantes fans for A, putting them in two competitions and B, um, putting them in the wrong <laughs> competition twice. So yeah, apologies for that. Um, right, very quickly then before we end next week's fixtures, I'll quickly run down them. Friday night, back to Friday night games, we've got Lens against Troyes. Uh, Lens will be looking to continue their good form. They could actually go top if they win that game ahead of the weekend's fixtures. PSG can return top, though, if Lens were to win because they host Brest at the PDP on uh, Saturday at 4pm. Uh, Marseille against Lille. That one, could be, uh, that one could be quite fun. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, one suspects that might be a little bit spicy, one to watch. Strasbourg against Clermont, maybe less so, but one for the purists. That's the midday game on Sunday. Ajaxio, uh, who's still looking for their first win since returning to Liga. Well, they might fancy their chances against an out-of-sorts Nice side. Angers face Montpellier. Again, sort of Montpellier doing very well at the moment. Angers less so. So uh, we'll see what happens in those two meet. Lorient will face Nantes. I'm quite pleased to be playing Nantes, given that the fact that we'll be playing in Europe, of course, as we mentioned on the Thursday before. So we'll see how that goes. That's at the Moustoir. Oh, and... you've got a midweek game too. Well, yeah, that is fair. Oh. We've got two extra rest days, though. So I'm, I'm taking that. Um, and uh, to lose against Ravs is the other 2 p.m. UK time kickoff. And then on the uh, afternoon and evening games, we've got Wren against Osea. That's a classic old-fashioned fixture. 4.05pm, that one. And Monaco against Lyon is the Sunday night offering. That might also be worth a watch because those two teams do not like each other based on the last few fixtures that we have seen. But given uh, form, I'd say Lyon could... Probably favourites for that, Eight yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick my head out and, and say there will be goals and there will be cards in that one. I fancy that there will be quite a bit of fun to be had. Well, I think that. if you say there's going to be cards... Mm. Uh, well, yeah, Mar- Marseille-Lille might be. That's safe. Yeah, yeah, Marseille-Lille and, and Monaco and Monaco-Lyon both, I think, would be fairly safe to say there may be some cards involved. But uh, we shall see. Um, right, I think we've covered everything there. Um, yes, we will be back next week. We will go through, obviously, the European results or if there's any particular stories that come out of these European games, we will cover them next week as well as looking back at the weekend that was in Liga. So thank you very much. We've got through plenty this evening. So, uh, Phil, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And Jez, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Jez had the hop off, so I will say thank you on his behalf. Splendid. I didn't even, he, he's like a ghost in the night. I didn't even see him slide out the back door. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks to Jez as well. Um, family calls. So uh, Jez will be back next week. But yes, thank you all for tuning in as usual. Without you, as we always say, there'd be no point in us being here. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, do drop us a line if there's anything you want to ask as usual. And we'll be back next weekend, whatever you do. Enjoy your French football.